Hello and welcome to season 3.5 of Deep Geeks. I'm Avery. And I'm Mark. Now, I know what you're thinking. Like, what, five episodes into season three and you're already reading it through 3.5? Well, yeah, but uh, that's mainly because we've uh, decided to actually spice it up, like we said we were going to. Yes, we're shaking things up a little bit around here. And how we are doing this is by moving all of the remaining content into programming blocks. Yeah, we've decided to match up uh, two shows per episode, kind of uh, going loosely off themes. Some of them are a bit more abstract than others, but hey, when you're dealing a deke, that's kind of par for the course. Yeah, it's hard to neatly match up a lot of what we've got left. Which is odd, because considering how many of these shows are essentially the same thing repackaged. Yeah, well, for those ones it was pretty easy to match them up. But regardless, this is basically a way to completely lighten the workload for us, and to allow us to basically just chew through the rest of the catalogue at a higher speed, and hopefully produce a more like interesting and entertaining podcast for us because both of us identified that we were kind of falling into a lot of traps that just kind of made the show a lot boring to record and also to edit and listen to so expect a smoother podcast with less vamping so what's the topic of our podcast this week avery cartoons based on popular musicians from the 1990s that were also shown on abc I mean, this one isn't one of the abstract ones. This one's pretty precise. Yeah, I mean, they, they range from specific to abstract, but I mean... Um, so, first up, we have the very looked-down-upon New Kids on the Block cartoon. Ah, yes. The New Kids on the Block cartoon. New Kids on the Block were a 90s boy band? The New Kids on the Block were basically the first big 90s boy band, right? They were what defined the structure of boy bands for the next 10 to 15 years. I wouldn't know because um, they kind of dropped off of popularity before I was even born, so... Oh, absolutely. So my boy bands were like um, fucking Five and Blue and stuff like that. Oasis. Uh, They weren't boy bands, they were actual bands. Um... Think more along the... Well, Five was five was a boy oh, band. Yeah, A1. But basically, have you noticed they all have kind of the same structure of having five boys, each of them, uh, with the kind of slight theming to them? Yeah. That was from, as far as I'm aware, New Kids on the Block were the first to do that successfully. Uh, and then Backstreet Boys did it better, and then the entire of the 90s. Yeah. But of course, the New Kids on the Block were a huge commodity in the early 90s. Yeah, they were one of the, like, scarily popular boy bands with, um... Basically, the definition of a rabid fan base was the fan base of New Kids on the Block. In the Block? On the Block. In the 90s. Um, with uh, the fan club being referred to as literally just a group of, like, stalkers with a crush. Essentially. It was terrifying. And so, of course, they made a New Clothes on the Block cartoon in order to cash in on the popularity at the time, because it was made pretty much slap bang right, like, in the middle of the craze. And they only produced 15 episodes. Um, was this broadcast, did I see, in the uh, Thank God It's Friday block? Because uh, I saw an intro to it uh starring steve urkel a family matters in universe introduction to the new kids on the block cartoon 
That's that's a um that's definitely a curiosity. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, basically to uh sum up what this cartoon is, kind of think pro stars where you have these celebrity figures who are showing up in live action clips at the start and end of the show and then the rest of the cartoon is the likeness and the names of these stars but voiced by professional voice actors and jobbers except it is terrible <laughs> so like basically i've got the rain down description here cartoon antics a la hard day's night from the beatles uh, interspersed with short clips of the band performing and dicking about backstage. Yeah, Think pro stars, but better executed on the on the on the live action bit. It is literally just Hard Day's Night, isn't it? Yeah, it I mean, is... you you compare any one of the scenes from the first episode of this cartoon with the opening scene of Hard Day's Night, and it is literally the exact same. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's basically the antics of a band whilst they are not performing with the build-up to a performance. And the thing is, is it, they have to extrapolate so much from it because of how bare bones it is, to the point that the Wikipedia page is a single sentence long. <laughs> it's, the series focuses on the group's misadventures, along with their managers, who are based on their real-life manager, Maurice Starr. That's it. That's all yeah. the Wikipedia has to say on this show. There isn't that much else to say about it, though. Uh, yeah, no, there isn't really. Uh, we have... The episode titles are kind of a highlight. I mean, you've got Sheik of My Dreams, Cowabonka, and Hot Dog! <laughs> Complete with that exclamation mark. Uh, Wonderful. Yeah, I've just got random notes here. Um, there isn't really much to go off on this one. I'm going to be super honest. It's so bare bones and there's barely anything to it that watching it is a bit soul-sucking, to well, be fair. Well, let's let's talk about the characters. You've got cartoon Danny Wahlberg. You've got the white one, and the white one, and the white one, and the white one. And then the two black ones, who are the managers. Did you only list four? Uh... Yeah. <laughs> I only ever saw four on the screen at any given point. Uh, there were definitely five of them. Okay, the white one. <laughs> Oh dear. Um, yeah, they don't really... I think they're working on the basis that because their audience will already know who all of these people are, they never really do that much to delve into characters. It's a bit bizarre because during the first episode, there's a character with a camera who kind of takes pictures of the band as they're going through the thing. Voiced by Chris Summer. And yeah, you will occasionally just get those pictures on screen, like kind of cropped in the middle of the screen just so that they can show stills, just kind of save an, save an animation cost for the first episode. Now, interesting fact about that, that's what we originally thought it was, the save an animation cost, but according to TV Tropes, so take this with a pinch of salt of course, a lot of the random cutaways and effects are due to the animation coming from Wang Film Productions with lots of mistakes. There was no time to fix them, so they added all these video effects and cutaways to salvage what usable footage they had, and passed it off as, the, as music video effects or something. So basically, they produced it too cheaply, panicked, and fed it through a video toaster. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. And also, whenever it does the uh, weird cutaway crop stuff, which also just includes random clips of them performing at a concert, uh, it's entirely out of place no matter where they do it. I don't know why that happens at all. The background behind it is strobing. 
and it is the most bizarre thing because I was just like, why is Stucker's Eurotechno rave VHS tape playing in the background there? I was trying to remember what it makes me reminds me of, and I think it might be Toe Jam and Earl. Yes, it's very Toe Jam and Earl, but if Toe Jam and Earl was a rave VHS tape, yeah. <laughs> It's Toe Jam and Earl, but a little too much. Yeah. <laughs> Considering Toe Jam and Earl is already supposed to be too much. Yeah. Um, also, TV Trope Street Up says, states that this cartoon is best remembered as embodying everything wrong with celebrity tunes. Which, y- yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's so pathetic. It barely even makes any attempt to be a watchable thing. That it is just sad. Um, other fun facts, um, New Kids on the Block are still a thing. Oh, yes. They, uh, disbanded in 1994, but then in 2007, they re- reunited again, not just for a tour, but for good, it seems, uh, releasing an album in 2008, to, uh, like, forming a supergroup with the Backstreet Boys for a tour and a compilation album, and are still doing things now, although their last studio album was back in 2013. Well, to be fair, I mean, all the money in... Uh, music these days is in touring. Yeah. And when you're an act that can tour and you have a nostalgic value, you can just keep doing it. I mean, I remember when Five reunited. It's still bizarre, though, to see, like, what was clearly a manufactured pop band like New Kids on the Block just suddenly come back for good like this, though. Well, the, it's not really it's a, the, the, the thing is. you explained. Yeah, but still. And the uh, last fun fact I have is that um, in the episode In Step, Out of Time, um... There is a really bizarre animation cycle of two of the characters dancing that is seen very briefly in the show. Is this the one that's been memed? Yes, this is the one that was used for an old You're the Man Now dog page called White People! Yay! Back in (laughs) 2005. And has reached over 12,000 views as of 2016. Oh, White People, yay. And it was apparently popular enough to be parodied in an episode of Gravity Falls called Dreamscaper... Yeah, called Dreamscaperers. Jeez. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that that, that fits. That's a fun little fact for you. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, while New Kids on the Block was an utter failure at being any, like, semblance of interesting or just anything good to watch in general, our second pick for this programming block kind of takes an interesting direction. Mark, why don't you tell us about this? Yeah, Hammerman. I mean, you may have heard of Hammerman from the fact that it is the most utterly ridiculous concept for a television show of the early 90s. That Uh, concept being an MC Hammer cartoon. Well, not only an MC Hammer cartoon, but an MC Hammer cartoon where he is a a superhero uh, powered by magical shoes. Magical shoes with teeth. Yeah, they're sentient and they have teeth and tongs, but not where tongs should be on shoes. No, no. It is slightly frightening. Uh, They are slightly disturbing, but as a general cartoon, this one isn't too bad. Basically, Stanley... what's his name? Stanley. Yeah, basically the real-life person who is MC Hammer. Now, when we say Stanley, we mean the name Stanley, not Stanley from Marvels. <laughs> Although that would be Super very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a very interesting show when I see an animated cartoon where Stanley actually turns into a superhero. I think that's happened. Oh, shit. So, basically, um, it sets 
MC Hammer or his Stanley Burrell. Stanley Burrell? Burrell? Burrell. Uh, regardless, Stanley is a youth centre worker uh, who becomes a superhero. And that's pretty much the basis of the entire show. And it's just him and the various antics of characters around Oaktown, uh, which is based on Oakland, California, where um, MC Hammer grew up. He's given magical shoes by the former... I, I mean, they never stated that the guy was Hammerman. Was he previously Hammerman or was he just a vigilante using magical shoes? Here I basically just said that I think he is just a regular fugitive with magical shoes, but then when uh, Stanley pops on the shoes, he became Hammerman because, get it, he's MC Hammer. Yeah, Stanley is special. But yeah, he's known as Gramps uh, and rather amusingly is implied to be James Brown. Yeah, very much implied several times throughout the show. I mean, the first... The first time we see him, he's singing a song and gets handed a uh, a cape, a full king cape by... Um, is that actually by the chorus that keeps appearing? Uh, no, it was two, what looked like two bodyguards, I think. Just two dudes on the street. <laughs> yeah. Odd show. Uh, regardless, as a superhero, uh, Hammerman's actually quite good. Yeah, I, it's... I mean, as a cartoon in itself, it's pretty enjoyable just because of how bonkers it is. Hammerman's powers are all just dancing related. Yes. He goes up to a big monster and goes, you can't touch this, and then you can't touch this starts playing. He does a dance and that somehow defeats the the enemy, which is wonderful. Uh, well, he also fires out streams of music. Oh shit, yes, he does. I forgot about that. <laughs> I, I, it's just... Despite, Despite the, the fact, fact this that this is some of the, some of the cheapest, cheapest, nastiest animation. No, no, I wouldn't say that. It's cheap, obviously, because it's fucking deep. But I'm going to say... I would say that the animation is nasty. The art style is great. And if it was given a bit more polish, it would look like something from Cartoon Network. Well, yes, that's a given. That is true. It's ahead of its time it with its really character was. designs. I'm going to say the animation is cool. It's a stylistic. Fair enough, fair enough. The the sudden, like, there are bits in the cartoon where it kind of goes this weird low frame rate sort of style. And I think that actually sort of works. It, it gives it a more of a unique flavor to it. I, I do think they sacrifice frame rate to get better visuals. Yeah. And that was potentially a good idea on the basis of how uh, New Kids on the Block turned out. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, just the character designs in general, the voice work, the uh, fuck it. I mean, even the characterizations, the 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 villains are early Cartoon Network is all hell. The first villain we meet, Defacely Marmeister. So Defacely Marmeister, uh, who is a graffiti-based villain who uh, tricks uh, one of the kid characters in the show into covering the streets with graffiti and then makes it come alive yeah that's you know that one vr game that's being shown off right now concrete jungle it's kind of like that it's kind of like that except just tags come alive as monsters which is great yeah that was a pretty it's it's very innovative in its thinking there is for this like very ideas. cool moment where they where this kid's tag just comes off and turns into a giant lizard it has this fun kind of anything goes, fuck it, let's see what six on the wall feel. But then it works. It manages to take those ideas and actually make it make sense. I mean, obviously, 
the, the one of the great advantages of us doing two at a time is that we can compare them. And obviously, the people creating Hammerman had less uh, restrictions on mm. what they needed to do with it. I mean, it helps that it was created by Andy Haywood and MC Hammer. This is Hammer's own idea of what this kids' show should be. And because it's MC Hammer who is... He's literally a priest now, isn't he? Yeah, he, he became ordained in, like, 1995, I think. Something like that. Um, regardless, he's always been this very moralistic dude um, with kind of his... A slight religious bent to his music, in fact. Uh music hits me so hard makes me say oh my lord please thank you for blessing me yeah that's not really subtle at all is it mr hammer but um, (laughs) his his approach to the show was to create something that he felt uh should teach kids good lessons it's a perfect example of an actual human being that isn't just a random executive producer trying to make a moralistic PSA in the middle of this fun cartoon that is actually a genuinely useful thing to say to kids and doesn't feel fake as all how like Sonic fucking says. Yeah, because the show itself teaches the message and then MC Hammer himself is filmed uh, on, on a cartoon background, uh, green screened very badly. It'll be blue screen. It would be blue screen. Oh, God, it was the 90s. Yes. Blue screen badly onto a cartoon background. Uh, basically just reiterating the message in just this really naturalistic way. Yeah. And you can see how, how he became a preacher. Because he is... He seems like a, just a really nice dude. <laughs> just this confident... He's self-confident dude with a message of... You should... Just be nice and respect. Yeah. It's just it's just that's kind of just this really nice way of just going just be cool, you know? I mean the the message of the first episode is you shouldn't graffiti other people's stuff. But graffiti can be cool. Yeah, it's, but it's not when it's property damage. It's just like <laughs> No, this thing is really awesome. I agree. You know, totally. This is really cool looking. But not if it's someone's house, you know? Like maybe don't do that. How would you like it if other people painted your stuff without permission? <laughs> and it's just pleasantly naturalistic. It's not like one of the... I mean, Sailor Moon was a particularly bad one for these because the Sailor Moon ones, because the show was never written around anything, it was never written around any particular moralistic thing because it was a Japanese show. Sailor Moon says... <laughs> They were always awkwardly tacked on and had nothing to do with the message of the show itself. <laughs> Whereas this, the whole thing actually works weirdly enough. Going back to the point you had about comparing the two cartoons that we look at in a single episode, you tend to notice how there was clearly a lot of care put into Hammerman. Oh yeah, a lot more. Uh, once again on TV tropes, uh, someone has popped in a little trope on here under the stealth parody tag there that also tags in the wild mass guessing trope. Uh, saying that you almost get the sense that the series might be an elaborate take that against celebrity tunes. It wasn't. No, it was. It was so very clearly not doing that. But it does sort of have that, like a light smattering of that. But at the same time, it clearly isn't. Whereas Hammerman, really, it is. Well, no, it's not really a take that. It's more of a. No, I can do this that. better. No, not a take that. It's a. It's self-aware. Yes. 
It knows it's a ridiculous premise and it just runs with it. Yeah, it's why they got away with the name Defacely Marmeister, which is the most Hanna-Barbera-ass villain name you could have come up with. Oh god, he is so Hanna-Barbera, isn't he? Yeah, it's wonderful. Now, I think the biggest tragedy about Hanman is the fact that most of the episodes lost. We only have like three episodes and that's because they were released on a VHS tape back in the day. The remaining ten episodes, just no one has them. Or someone might have them on like like their own recorded VCR tape, but they are not out there. I mean, I'm willing to bet that uh, MC Hammer owns part of the rights to them. And I'm assuming that he probably lost those when he went bankrupt. So that's probably where they are. Whoever bought his estate when he went bankrupt has the rights to the MC Hammer cartoon and it is not worth uh, DHX dealing with those to get a cartoon about a flash in the pan celebrity from the early 90s. Well, you say flash in the pan, he released six albums. Uh, well, he was a flash in the pan as a celebrity, but I mean, he was pretty prolific. Yeah. You could be flash in the pan as a famous person, but a prolif- prolific musician. So that sums it up for today's, uh, for, for Actually, this week's package. I have one more point. Okay, it does not put an end to this week's package. Because there is this very, uh, this uh, slightly interesting fact that... Ooh, more factory, it's so delightful. Uh, whilst MC Hammer obviously played himself in live action, uh, he wasn't a voice actor, so he didn't do his voice. His voice is said was done by Clark Johnson. Now, Clark Johnson started his career as a special effects guy uh, working with, uh, amongst others, David Cronenberg. That's, um... I can't tell if that's a step up or a step down. It's just kind of a step. (laughs) Uh, before moving into voice acting and then into full-blown acting uh, where he starred for several years as uh, one of the major characters in Homicide Life on the Street. Huh. Uh, Where he then moved into directing television and directed multiple episodes of The Wire. Fucking hell. That's... Wow. Wow. Uh, talk about what, like working your way up in the world, Jesus. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, he still does obviously small acting roles. Uh, I think he's mostly a television director these days. That actually reminds me, actually, uh, of two people who appear in the Kids in the New Block, whatever cartoon. Um, as as you mentioned, Cree Summer, who originally was the voice of Penny in Inspector Gadget and is now kind of moved up into other cartoons. Including being the voice of Penny, Inspector, <laughs> Inspector Gadget. <laughs> no, we've got more stuff. We've got um, number five in Codename Kids Next Door, Susie Carmichael in Rugrats, uh, Almira Dorff, Cleo the Poodle and Clifford the Big Red Dog, Nebula in the Guardians of the Galaxy cartoon, B-Skill and Teen Titans Go. I mean, let's face it, you know Cree Summer's voice. Cree Summer is one outstanding jobber with a very noticeable... She's the female voice that has a bit of um, kind of the gruffness to it in any cartoon. Also notable for people who appear on the voice actor list for New Kids on the Block is fucking Michael Winslow, a.k.a. the beatboxer dude from Police Academy. Yeah, we're not sure where he was, but apparently he appeared in the New Kids on the Block cartoon. The Man of a Million Voices was in fucking New Kids on the Block. He wasn't even playing the dog. No, I 
<laughs> at some point he appeared and we don't know where but it's just bizarre to see that he's there in the first place because why but anyway that puts a nice little bow on uh, this week's programming package as it were absolutely so how are we ranking these oh god <laughs> now that's one thing i didn't really think about when we were doing this um i think it's obvious to say that hammerman is pretty high up and New Kids on the Block is pretty low down. Ooh, uh, what would New Kids on the Block compare to? Uh, where is Kid Video? Kid Video is number 22. Okay. And I'm going to say this. Kid Video is aggressively better than New Kids on the Block. Uh, absolutely, because they have more to work with. And better music. <laughs> oh, dear. Honestly, I'm looking at Barbie and the Rockers right now. Oof. No, it was definitely better than Barbie and the Rockers. It was a bon- It was on the same level for me. It had it had more conflict than Barbie and the Rockers. Ah, uh, yeah, I guess. Slightly. Okay, above Barbie and the Rockers. Okay, what's directly above Barbie and the Rockers? Ultra Force. It's about it's the same. I have to say, I think I'd prefer to. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> ha ha ha, are you sure you want to commit to saying I want to watch Ultra Force? Okay, so bad superhero antics or bad band antics with weird psychedelic visuals because they fucked up the, uh, uh they fucked up the animation. Um, I think it might be below Ultra Force. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking as well, which is sad. Ultra Force is not good, but this is nothing. This is the audio on this bit was too distorted for me to figure out what I was on about, but I think it was something to do with conflict being a thing. I'm not quite sure, but I do know at this point I've basically given up. Haha. It had characters and then did very little with them, because it just wanted to be an antics show, and so many cartoons do that. Despite the fact that the audience for the cartoon would be more interested in the five characters. Okay, so what about Hammerman? Hammerman's pretty good, but... There is definitely things better than Hammerman. Yeah. But Hammerman is still pretty damn decent. Uh, where have we got Pro Stars? Uh, Pro Stars is that sitting at number two. Oh, we okay. really liked Pro Stars. That's a bit too high. <laughs> because Pro Stars was fucking brilliant. I was just thinking of that as a similar show in the basis, on the basis of it turning yeah. celebrities into superheroes. See, the problem with our list is that everything below ten is automatically shit. <laughs> ah. Because of what we're working with. Well, what have we got that's ten on ten? Uh, Poochie. Blimey. It was definitely better than Poochie. What have we got on nine? Uh, Defenders of Dinatron City. Ooh. I don't think it was better than Defenders of Dinatron City, man. I really like Defenders of Dinatron I, City. I think that slides in at 10, then. All right. We're doing it. Okay, so after all has been said and done, that leaves New Kids on the Block at number 37 and Hammerman at number 10. Okay, I'm going to step in here and just redo the ending bits, personally. Uh, basically... We said that this was ended up really good and it was just much better as a whole, but then it turned out that this recording got screwed up in the most wonderful ways. And basically that's why it's taken me three days to actually edit it because it has been an absolute slog because I've had to manually take out bits of tracks and all that sort of stuff, resyncing things painstakingly. So it was just a nightmare for me, but I finally got it out, it's an absolute mess, and I know that, and I am very, very sorry for that. 
but I'm hoping that you can kind of get a feel for how the overall structure of new episodes are going to be from this point forward and how it is going to basically improve the show. Um, but if you think otherwise or if you would just like to chip in and say how good it is etc how fits you like but you don't like then please do get in touch with us um now considering that the most of the couple's twitter feed is kind of dead due to disuse the best way to contact us individually would probably be well for me it would be through twitter uh, at dead horus that's h-o-r-u-s and for Mark, it would be Vordus, that's V-O-R-D-U-S, at mastodon.social. And yeah, he isn't on Twitter anymore, really. Uh, so that's a bit of a dead end. And yeah, if you enjoyed the show somehow, despite it being this much of a mess, then uh, go check out uh, the other episodes if you haven't done already, uh, and also the two other podcasts that we have done and since ended. Uh, they're over at mostthekobolds.com. You can also just search for them on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you want. Um, we are not available on Stitcher or Spotify, but we are available on Google Play Podcasts if you happen to use that. <laughs> And that's kind of it. Uh, thank you very much for listening and potting up with this absolute trash heap of an episode. Uh, we appreciate it greatly. Uh, thank you. Thank you.